0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host Brian.
1: Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, how's that?
0: Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, listening in uh, for another week uh, with us. Um, As always, Robert and Zach are here with me. Hey! Hey! And we hope that you are enjoying the podcast. Uh, We have a blast recording it. We hope you all have uh, fun listening to it. Um, If you want to interact with us, again, please go to our Facebook page, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast on Facebook. And if you're listening on any of the popular podcatchers out there, definitely leave us a like, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you, and it really helps us. So thank you. Um, And so tonight... um, Kind of shifting gears a little bit more. Um, A lot of stuff is happening in the world. A lot of craziness. Hard to believe some of the things that we read about, hear about are real. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys were wanting to talk about how does a Christian kind of stay positive? How do you stay strong in the faith Mm -hmm. when it seems like everything is just Wearing you down left and right Death right. by a thousand cuts <laughs> <Yeah>. um, Right. <laughs> essentially right. Yeah. like So I think we wanted to dive into that So yeah, yeah take it away guys Awesome
1: Okay. You got?
2: Okay <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: see Staying positive When the world seems darkest Now, this is one of those podcasts where It might seem like most of the stuff we have to say Seems to be a no-brainer Especially if you've been a believer for so long but uh, one of the things I've noticed in myself and almost everyone who's a believer, uh, it's easy for us to agree with some of the things that we say, uh, you know, spend time with God, uh, pray, read your Bible. It's it's real easy to amen that and agree with it, and yet the application really falls short. We do, we don't spend the time, or when we do, it's more of just a, a ritual. We're just trying to check off that list so we can get through the Bible reading plan in a year, something like that. But... Um, You know, the real big issue with uh, staying positive really is just staying connected with the Lord. And what that really means, other than just making sure that you do pray and please do, uh, speaking to myself, uh, making sure that you read Scripture, please do. But honestly, more than anything, it's just literally learning and training yourself with the Holy Spirit's help to see the world the way God himself sees it. Now, you don't have the whole perspective. His His is eternal and everlasting. Yours is limited to the time space in which you're currently sitting here listening to this. You know, one minute at a time, one hour at a time. But getting the perspective that God is in control, that um, the things that are happening have probably happened before in human history in some form or another, they just didn't have TikTok. Yeah. I mean some of the things that the ancients had to deal with uh people in medieval times had to deal with i mean just reading you know one very famous example the bubonic plague of the 1300s this stuff has happened before terror and you know disaster have come before and yet Christ has been the king over every last bit of it so if you're willing to say that he came and he died 2000 years ago and you're willing to say that you know he has been in heaven um, interceding on behalf of the saints at the right hand of the Father, for these last two millennia, you've got to take every dark thing that's happened since then and put it into your thought theology. And one thing I've noticed that's, it's just a trademark of sinful human nature. It's easy for us to put this, all this in the past into an academic folder in our minds. The bubonic plague, okay. The eruption of Vesuvius, okay. Uh, the fall of the Roman Empire itself and the rebuilding of, you know the shards of civilization that remained okay but as soon as something actually happens to us in our own lifetimes all of a sudden it feels as if nothing horrible's ever really happened in all the history of the world and you're the only one standing there that's ever <laughs> felt any kind of disaster uh-huh. and you know that that that's my advice and we we can get deeper obviously but that's my advice in a nutshell is mm-hmm. get god's perspective he is in control even though the world is dark and if the world's dark dark things are going to happen
2: right you're right I mean and this kind of goes into a little bit of suffering I mean and and things of that nature um talks about the wrongness of the world and and that's really where you know like this is where you know like how Robert mentioned but talking about reading the scriptures and things like that um whenever you read um uh like the book of Revelation it's like there's a lot of bad stuff that happen, and it can you can look at our world and you can see all the things that are going wrong and go. Really, <laughs> things are starting to line up here. <laughs> it's starting to kind of look like this might be <laughs> might be the end here. But there's an important thing for and and that's the and this is I think Robert was kind of touching on this a little bit was having. Uh, and I think we've talked about it before as having an in- eternal perspective. And what that means is just like it sounds. Like, yes, right now, the world is looking crazy. You know, there's viruses, there's, you know, conspiracy theories, uh, there's things that. Seem like conspiracy theories that are, <laughs> like you would think. If we start talking about these things, and it's like that sounds a like conspiracy. But then you look in the news, and it's like, hey, there it is. So it's not conspiracy. It's just it's actually things that are happening. Um, and it's and it's easy to let those things, those fears, um, take hold of you and 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 weigh you down, but. Having the eternal perspective, remembering that the Lord has promised that suffering will happen in this world—that is a biblical reality. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you know if—if if Jesus, who is God, suffered on the cross, was crucified, tortured, uh, and all that stuff happened. And then his followers after him were martyred for their faith. Um, Don't expect um, that we're somehow going to be... Sunshine and roses. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. sunshine and roses. I mean, a lot of people look back, and, and, and actually Brian and I had a small group meeting yesterday, and we were talking about this a little bit. It's like even back in medieval times, whenever the Catholic Church was in charge... No offense to any Catholics out there. Um, but, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened to Protestants uh, because, you know, of this different view that they had, and, and it was threatening the Catholic Church. And so there was a lot of per- and it back and forth on both sides. I mean, there was times where the Protestants were in control, especially in, like, England and London and things like that, and they didn't do good stuff either. So it's kind of yeah. like a, a tit for tat, back, back this and back that. But the reality of it is, going back to the the concept of eternal perspective, is remembering that although the here and now does and can be and will get very, very scary, at the end of the day, Christ wins. At the end of the day, God wins. Yes, it seems like the evil flourish. And actually, if you read the book of Psalms, um, that's actually in my I'm actually in the doing my morning devotion in the book of Psalms hmm. and it's interesting like how oftentimes it parallels like it says oh Lord, how long will the the wicked prosper how and the righteous are <laughs> you know suppressed or or you know tricked or beaten or treated wrongly and it's like, Sounds familiar. It sounds it? familiar. <laughs> you kind of get some context here. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's one thing that, you know, especially with the book of uh, Psalms is it reminds us that, yes, these things happen to people all throughout the ages. And then, you know, also reading out at different portions in the Bible, especially with Daniel, you know, here was a guy who was just trying to pray to the God and and him and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego were or excuse me Shadrach Meshach and Abednego were thrown in a furnace and Daniel was arrested for praying so i mean it's like here's clear evidence of persecution happening throughout different ages through different kingdoms etc and and who are we to think that we're not going to experience that And that's where that eternal perspective is to remind ourselves that, yes, right now things are going bad and it looks bad, but at the end of the day, uh, God is in control. And if he doesn't want something to happen, like if if you're panicking about Bill Gates going out and buying all the property out in whatever state and wondering what in the world he's going to do with it, guess what? It doesn't matter because if the the Lord says, "Uh uh-uh, you're not gonna do that, it's done. you no one can stand against the Lord. they might it might appear for a time that these things can take place, and it might appear as though things are spinning out of control and but the reality of it is is God is using this either one to shape and mold the church so that we can then be out there in the world and be active and actually. Uh, being the light that God called us to be. Or the flip side of that is if he does call us out of uh, our world that we're in, you know, calls us away, then the wrath of God comes. <laughs> and I mean, at the end of the day, you, no one's going to stand against God. <laughs> Even Satan, with all of his demons and all those things that he uh, has at his disposal at the moment, are going to fall on their face and they're going to fail. And that's where the hope comes in. It's like even whenever all, the, if you look at you know, uh, like all in Afghanistan or China or North Korea, all these places where Christians are persecuted, um, it's easy to get that discouragement, kind of like what Brian was talking about. And and but if you keep in mind the fact that God is in control and that He will right all wrongs, that that's encouraging. You know, and that's the other thing. It's like maybe the wicked do prosper. Maybe some of the <coughs> billionaires do pull off something bad, and they do some bad stuff. But hey, and, and maybe we get caught up in it, and it's and it's really bad. It could happen. But at the end of the day, guess what? All the wrong that they do, they're going to stand before a holy God, and I can't stand there for them. Jesus can. But if they don't repent and believe in Jesus, then all the things that they've done, all the evil that they've done, will be on them. And so there's that other sense of the perspective to keep in mind also that can just like, you know, uh, if all these evil things happen and these people get away with it, then on this side, they're not going to get away in an age to come. I mean, (laughs) to fall into the hands of an angry God is a terrifying thing and that's what's their their fate is is whenever they uh stand before God if they've not repented and believed Jesus whether you had billions of dollars or not you yeah it doesn't matter cuz once you die you don't take it with you your prestige means nothing <laughs> um and so i I'd say that's the the two things to keep in mind is that one it's happened throughout mm-hmm. the ages and two having the eternal perspective of where even though things may not be going good now, you know, there is the thing, the hope of the future. And I'll I'll just um, bring up this uh, passage here. and it's in um, Psalm 9, uh, and it's verses 16 and uh, 18. And so this, again, is in the Old Testament. So you have to be kind of mindful of some of the things that's in the Old Testament. But I think this actually kind of sums up some of the stuff. That we're talking about. So here it is The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. So again, right there you have the fact that the wicked. You know, whenever they go, they try and do something, and if it's not the Lord's will that they do it, they will fall into their own trap. Um, and then you also look in the fact that the reality of it is, the wicked, you know, they will go to a place of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth, and, and, and short of having Jesus as their Savior, that's not a place no one wants to go. <laughs> and 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 the other thing to keep in mind is that the, the poor will not perish forever. I mean, there are people right now who maybe are starving or maybe struggling to get groceries or water or what have you, and you, you might it might be a daily chore for you into how you actually survive, but know that that day will not last. That day is not eternal. This time is not eternal. This suffering is not eternal. There will come a day whenever the new heaven and the new earth come and and all the the um, bad things in our world that we have now will be gone. And then all the good things of what he's promised will be fulfilled. And, and even things probably we can't even imagine um, that would just blow our minds if we actually knew about it. And probably would do crazy things to get ourselves there sooner. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and, and I think that's a trap that... Maybe non Christians or new Christians. Well, I mean, I guess really even more seasoned Christians. anybody
2: I think is guilty could have it.
0: But but you you would think like, okay, that's all well and good. Like the world is crashing and burning right now, Mm -hmm. and you're telling me, oh well, keep your chin up because ultimately at some point in the future mm-hmm. they're going to get their comeuppance mm-hmm. on the other side of right. of this earth mm-hmm. but how does that help me now how does right. that help my suffering now right, right. and i think a lot of people fall into that where mm-hmm. and especially i think like um uh non-christians they look at that as like an empty platitude mm-hmm. and they don't really think there's any substance behind that cuz right. that's an argument you get a lot of mm-hmm. oh well God has a plan and God will make everything right eventually. And so I think that's, you know, for someone who truly doesn't understand scripture Mm -hmm. or doesn't truly understand the faith, uh, sometimes that can come across a little, maybe shallow or a little
1: hollow. Maybe. Yeah. I
2: really do think so. Well, I mean, and, 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 and to be, to be clear, I mean, that's one thing. It's like, we're not this, you know, discounting the suffering. We're not saying that the suffering can't happen or it shouldn't necessarily. Sometimes the suffering is our own hand at, our, yeah. you know, things that we've done ourselves and we're facing the consequences of it. Um, but whenever it's other things that happen to us, um, uh, kind of like what you're talking about, the reality of it is is there's nothing that's easy about this life. There's not. And, and it's actually okay for the Christian to be discouraged, you know, because, I mean, if you actually, and that's one of the, the beautiful things about reading the Bible, because I keep emphasizing that, is you actually get comforted. You know how many prophets, people that actually heard the voice of God, like Elijah, that were like, like, ask God to kill them. Like they were that down, they were that low, and it's like, it's not to make it less, and it's not to to de-emphasize it because the reality of it is, it is hard. But the rea- the other aspect of it is the fact that everybody goes through these things, mm-hmm. and and this isn't just a pl- platitude. Like, I mean, I mean, I get that some would say that, but the reality of it is, is we're all going to go through these things even if you have even if you heard the voice of God you're still going to have ups and downs but the question is what do you do with those emotions it's okay to have them it's not wrong but what do you do whenever you do have those emotions when you do have that discouragement where do you take it do you just hold on to it and let it kind of fester and then allow it to like poison you like poison your soul or do you take that um that disappointment that fear that anger that hurt or whatever that's fear and and go Lord I'm struggling with this help me help me with this help me and that's and that's the reality I mean that's that's what prayer is prayer is literally um doing the that very thing of asking God to help you through it. And one of the things that we call the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. And that's one of the things that he does. And how does he comfort you? Through the reading of God's word and that and it, it, I mean for someone who's not a believer, it doesn't make sense. But there's something supernatural that happens when you're a believer and you're going through trials and you pick up God's word and you read it. There is comfort that takes place. God starts speaking to you to, to you through His Spirit, through His Word, and it provides that nourishment that that um, that makes no sense. And then you can start having joy just bubble up inside, like something supernaturally, literally happening. Um, and that's one thing that I would say to that. I mean, that again, that doesn't solve the issue for people who don't believe. Um, but I think there's also an element of mystery there that whenever someone who isn't a believer sees a believer go through these things and they go to God's word, they pray, and they, they have that new joy, that comforter come in, It it's, it's basically something supernaturally happening to that person and the atheist can't understand it because they can't experience it because to them, if they open up the Bible and read it, it means nothing to them. It's just words on a page. But if you, who are a believer who pick up God's word and praise to God, there is something supernatural that happens. And it's, it's the comfort that surpasses all understanding. And it's, it's amazing. And it's wonderful. And it, it blows your mind how these things could happen and having joy, even through the hardships, um, I, that's that's just how the Christian walk is. Robert, do you have anything you'd like to say?
1: Um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, just the idea that, you know, the Holy Spirit is given to us for one of that those specific purposes is comfort when times get dark because, I mean, Jesus, when he said, I've overcome the world, he, I mean, he did not say that for nothing. You overcome something that's coming against you with everything it has. And so the idea that, you know, we we literally have death in this world so you will you will receive more than you can handle um that's something that some some people even believers have this mistaken idea that uh, there are two phrases that everyone thinks is in the bible is uh, cleanliness is next to godliness and i don't know where that idea came from um that's yeah, point a, me
0: that's yeah, point me to that book yeah, or that, that verse
1: benjamin franklin wrote that mm-hmm. as an adage in a newspaper and somehow the whole mm-hmm. culture thinks that got into the bible and uh, the other one is, God will never put more on you than you can handle. That's actually from a Greek epic, and it's not even talking about the Christian God. It's talking about the pagan gods. But uh, And that, even that's a paraphrase of the actual statement. But uh, what God has promised in Scripture is that he'll never tempt you more than you can escape from because he hates sin and he himself tempts nobody. And so uh, he won't allow that temptation to exceed beyond your ability to run if you would only lean on the Holy Spirit for strength. So all that to say, we do live in a world where you will get hit with more than you can handle. I mean, I literally just said we have death. And so your body will eventually hit something it can't handle, a disease or simply its own age. A car. A car going 70 <laughs> miles an hour. A flight of stairs going several stories down. I mean, this world is full of these hazards. And so because we run into things we can't handle, that is intentionally supposed to be the catalyst to take you deeper and deeper to God. When you need him most... That's sometimes when humans tend to run from him the farthest and hardest and it shouldn't be so but uh, the idea that Jesus being a God who became flesh now this is the big thing that really separates Christianity from the rest of the pack now 2,000 years out Christianity's become such um, a part of our lifeblood and our DNA any religion that or a religious group subsect, that seems to have aspects of Christianity in it they are literally ripping it off of Christianity they are copyrighting Christianity there but when you look back at the the faith system itself when it began and all the different ideas that were f- circulating around in the world the idea that god would literally become a human being it's not that he would disguise himself as if he were human he appeared human um he you know he came down um you know in a chariot splendor all around him these things are in gandalf the, the pagan stories yeah gandalf the gray um but these ideas are in the pagan stories but the idea that jesus would literally commit to growing and developing inside of a body from scratch and hold on to it fully as though uh, fully human not as though he were human but fully human until the moment he stopped breathing um and most theologians believe even today he is the he is the god man he never shed that human body it just went up but um the whole point i'm getting at is this is a god who really does relate to us in our suffering he's not looking down from above um shaking his head above everything that's coming down on us he's actually under he actually understands because he's actually withstood Everything that can come at us. Now, again, the modern world has a new blend of those things. Um, Jesus never went on Twitter and read a mean tweet. But the idea that, you know, when it comes to human nature, the things that really matter, Jesus suffered hunger. Um, Jesus suffered friends who betrayed him. Jesus suffered um, people hating him for all the wrong reasons people accusing him of things that just were not true, hating him on principle when all he did, his only crime was doing the right thing. Right. And every time they accused him of you know, parading himself too much, he was only telling the truth. I mean, mm. if he's the way of eternal life, what better gift than to give yourself? Yeah. And so this idea that Jesus goes to the cross and uh, he suffers and he literally dies and our religion is the the symbol of our religion for the last two thousand years is literally the symbol of hope and suffering um one one way I heard it spoken of, and some might think it's cheesy, some might just think it's clever. I'm kind of in between, but you know the cross cleverly is treasy. cleverly cheesy <laughs> that sounds like a commercial for mac wait mac and cheese waiting to happen but uh <laughs>
0: <That's>, <laughs>
1: Velveeta's new slogan. Velveeta's new slogan. Hey, I copyrighted that first. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to pay royalties to Zechariah McGrath. <laughs>
1: the only podcast that will go from Jesus dying to mac and cheese in the span of a blink of an eye. But, or Velveeta. Yeah. The glorious uh, Velveeta. Not not a
0: sponsor.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> n- they're not. But, um, yeah, backtrack. two thousand. <laughs> no, you're fine. Let's see. 16 thoughts ago. The cross <laughs> is uh, two beams of wood. And uh, one way I heard it spoken of, whether you think it's cheesy or inspiring or what, they said it was kind of the the two bars of wood. You could think of it as uh, the two realities that bundle themselves up in the Christian worldview. That one image uh, should convey a whole mixture of feelings uh, if you really understand it, whether you're a believer or not, because most people see this nowadays as a symbol of hope. They see the cross. They want. They think it's inspiring. We put it on our tombstones to have give comfort to the families in the hope that there's something above and beyond the bleakness of the grave. And yet we've lost, and it's probably a good thing that we've uh, lost the idea of what the cross really was because this is literally the symbol of a, to- a torture device that was used on criminals. So you have mm-hmm. someone's deathbed erected off the ground and it became the symbol of the most successful religious group in the entire world. And when I said it was a good thing we've forgotten the meaning of that, what I meant was it probably is really telling that that beam, which hung literally thousands of people for thousands of different reasons, thousands of different stories, different lifetimes, ending in tragedy, this one man hangs on it. And it he confiscates that symbol to such a degree that most people will wear it on a necklace around their necks and they won't even think twice about the bleakness of the symbol. They will think about hope. They will think about amazing grace. They'll think about church. Uh, some people just think it makes nice bling. <laughs> but that image is so universal. Whether you find it offensive or whether you find it inspiring, you will find it anything but scary. It would be... And this is a loose comparison, because there is no real comparison to this perfectly, but it would almost be like someone having a bracelet with the two towers from nine eleven crumbling in the dust. Now, you see that bracelet, and today we still go, whoa, that's that's terrible, that's deep. There's a somber moment every time you would see that. Um, maybe it was someone whose family died in the tower, someone's uncle or something, and we would start talking about the event. Now, the same thing, you have a tragedy dangling around your neck, and we see that and we go, oh, that's so pretty, or we go, oh, this is inspiring. I mean, how many times have you seen infomercials late at night saying, uh, you know, the prayer cross for 1999? And I mean, can you imagine, and I'm not being goofy, I'm not trying to disrespect any victims of 9-11, but I'm trying to get this picture in your head of what this really is. Now imagine seeing an infomercial trying to sell um, a comforting prayer te- prayer tower yeah. right. to to someone for 19.99. Find like a comfort.
0: meditative guillotine or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Here,
1: here's comfort for your whole family. Here, here's a a boo, a picture of a bubo from the bubonic plague, and you know just something awful that we have to look at, and yet because of the story of Jesus' resurrection that, that has spread through all the earth for all these years, he has completely transformed the meaning of the symbol on which he died. And so this idea that God understands what it means to be human, to suffer, to experience all the bleak things that he had to go through. He lost family. He cried at funerals. Um, he, wa- he most likely watched his own father die. Um, His earthly father, Joseph, he disappears by the time Jesus becomes an adult. And the only liable explanation is that Joseph is no longer alive. And um, he watches um, people suffer from tragedy. He looked into the eyes of people who were suffering debilitating disease. There were no formal hospitals. They were hanging out in the streets inside their own communes. Uh, People who were so contagious that they had to stay well away from the group, and you'd be walking down the street, and you'd see these people wandering around. And you just knew what they were when you saw deformities or you saw uh, horrors of the skin. And Jesus walked through this world and got his hands dirty, just like any of us would. And so he brought those emotional scars with him into heaven, despite the fact that he alone is literally the light of the world, the one who is the cure for these things. And yet he went through the whole... 33 year spill he lived a full life by choice so that he could live it experience it obey god perfectly when we couldn't and then die on the cross to give us the way out of this um it i, I tried to think off the top of my head and i can't do it but it's from luke um it's a actually a passage i've led a devotion on before on nine eleven, 11 but uh, the idea of tragedy in light of the cross and Someone literally comes to Jesus during his earthly lifetime and asks him about um, a tragedy that had occurred. Now, of course, um, construction workers trying to build towers and walls and homes and beams. These people didn't use cranes like we do today. These were very, very hardworking men who had to work with their hands one massive brick stone at a time. And this tower that someone was building fell over and had literally crushed workers underneath it, and people were talking about it all through the area. And um, there are a couple of National Geographic documentaries you can watch where they've actually excavated some of these cities in the Middle East, and they have found uh, unrescued skeletons underneath the rubble of fallen towers mid-construction, and they were abandoned because they couldn't afford to start over. But... uh, Someone came to Jesus, and they he asked him, and I'm talking 2,000 years ago, in another language, wearing totally different clothing with a totally alien life from what we understand, but he was human, and he asks Jesus the exact same question we ask while we sit in our coffee shops and contemplate life. He said, Jesus, why would something like this happen? And it doesn't say whether this man was related to a victim. It doesn't say whether this... Man was uh, friends, or if he had a real emotional tie, or if it was just existential, it may have just been someone watching it from a distance and allowing just the horror of it to wash over their hearts. And Jesus's response is really telling. He literally just says that all of us are in the greatest tragedy, and we don't realize it. He said, "Those who suffered for a while, they've had their escape from this world." But the people who live in peace, those who do not get crushed by towers, those who eat well, sleep well, have beautiful friendships, those who live full lives, they don't realize that they stand condemned in the face of my righteous, holy, eternal Father. And so basically what he was saying was, you know, the fact that this is a sinful, dark world has not hit you in the face quite enough. If you're surprised that it happened, now you can be you can be in turmoil about it. You can mourn. You can be sad. You can be angry about it. But he said, whatever you do, don't be surprised. Because he said, that for him to be the light of the world, that implies that he steps into darkness, or else why would a light shine if light's not needed? You know, why would you go outside at 3 o'clock in the afternoon unless it's Alaska or the far north with a flashlight? Because it's not necessary. You're wasting your battery. But because this world is so dark... Because this world is so dark, Jesus being the light of the world is the one of the statements that changed everything. And he says, you are all standing condemned, therefore repent. And what, what he's basically saying, I mean, he's saying so much in a nutshell. He's basically saying, <clears throat> the, you know, there was no specific magical plan for that tower to fall. Sometimes in a dark world tragedy will just hit that doesn't mean God's not in control it just means we live in a world of cause and effect Um, but also he is the one who's going to save the world the redeem every single moment of every single person's life no matter how it ended no matter how dark or light it was it all will find meaning in me and he's saying if you want to Allow that tr- hurt from a tragedy to kind of wash over your soul. Allow that to wake up your soul to the fact that, you know, I have come to save and redeem the lost. And so he's basically saying if that causes you a discomfort, if that really wrecks your world to see, then allow those questions to fill your mind and just consider what that implies about me. You know, they call me the Savior. What am I saving you from? And it's not just to take you to heaven. I'm literally saving you from, and I'm not using it flippantly, I'm saving you from this hell hole that's been created by your ancestors in the Garden of Eden. And so he's he's kind of saying, like, you know, I could raise them from the dead, but they would die again. I could dig them up, bring back every single person who's died in this tragedy, and you can name that with any tragedy, World War II, Vietnam, 9-11, Pearl Harbor, I mean, the list goes on and on. The most recent school shooting, and they happen constantly. Mm -hmm. I could raise them all to life, and they could have phenomenal lives for a few years, and they will die again. But make sure, no matter what happens, just make sure that you come to know me, who is the eternal life. Because he said to the woman, at the the Samaritan at the well, he said, you know, whoever drinks of this one will not thirst again. It's Mm -hmm. this idea that those who find life in me won't be just resuscitated like a doctor can do. They will live and live and live and live and live until every tragedy that we are living now will be just a distant memory. This is, and I one time I with with a a youth group I even compared this world to high school. Those four years of high school felt like they would never end. It's no fun to sit in the middle of a chemistry test and tell yourself that you, someday you're going to graduate because that does not apply to this wi- to this weekend that doesn't apply to Monday morning. I've got to take another test. I've got to make sure I go through another class and I can't stand it. And those four years drag on and on. And to an adult who's been in the real world for many years, four years does not seem like that long a time, but high schoolers, high schoolers, it's it's the world. (laughs) It's the whole world. And someday when, you know, you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years out from high school, you'll look back on those pictures and You'll have a whole different perspective of who you were, what the world was like. You'll be embarrassed at some of the dumb things you said and did because your perspective was so much less mature mm-hmm. than it is now.
2: And then you'll surprise yourself because you'll still do some of those stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Did I really just do that again? Again? I mean, maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh, but that's my, my my personal closing thought is, You know, this world is kind of like high school. Someday we'll graduate, and that doesn't help you feel good when you're sitting there being tested all the time. But when we get there and we have lived there for so long that everything becomes kind of like a distant nightmare, we still remember it, but that was a whole different world. That was a whole different us then when it gets there, everything will make perfect sense to us. We'll have a final closure about all the things that went wrong in our worlds, whether our personal worlds or just the world we live in broad scale. And when that happens and we look at Jesus Christ face to face for those who believe in him, then and only then will we realize that all the things that, you know, we honestly kind of wasted our time worrying about, fretting about, uh, mourning about, uh, they all paled in comparison to Christ all along. It didn't get rid of the hurt. It was still okay to hurt in the moment. But if we had had a different perspective, we would have processed the hurt so much differently. Mm-hmm.
2: And and I'll, I, I'll the last thing I'd like to say is I, I'll actually read, again, talking about like psalms and how there is so much comfort, especially in the book of Psalms. I'm actually going to read a very short psalm really quick. It's Psalm 13. Um, it says, "How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me?" How many people out there think that you know? Sometimes, whenever you're going through something, like God is, where are you at? I mean, here is a psalmist right here saying those very same words right there. That, like, just like I was talking to about earlier. Um, how long must I take counsel in my soul? And have sorrow in my heart all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy says I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. And again, I mean, I just emphasize the fact that you know there there's sometimes there's comfort in knowing that you're not alone, that you're not suffering alone. And that's one thing that from the reading the scriptures that you get, the Holy Spirit obviously comforts us and things like that. But sometimes it just helps knowing that you're not the only person that's went through something that's been really bad. And sometimes God allows those things to happen in your life, so that then you can then take that and use it to be a minister in somebody else's life. Now think about that for a second. Think about, you know, something. Say you you get cancer and you survive it. How much, how 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 rich of a ministry do you, would you have if you, who survived cancer, then go and help? walk and talk to people who are going through that journey because you've walked it, you've talked it, you've thought that, you've even come to terms with the possibility of you passing, you know, you dying how much more of a comfort could you be to those people versus somebody who's not experiencing that and say oh well, you know, God's in control, it's okay I mean, yes those things are true but whenever you go through something like that, maybe God's giving you that Hurdle that that allowing that hurdle to happen in your life so that you can then take that and use it for his kingdom for his glory and you can actually help people and, and that's one thing that I think sometimes why things happen or, or God allows things to happen is so that we can then you know be a minister even if it's something as as terrible as cancer or what have you, you know, there's the option that you can take that and use it for the building of the kingdom. Because when someone hasn't lost their parents or hasn't went through something, you know, their their consolation is appreciated, you know, and but it's not the same as having someone who's went through those things, walk those walks had those fears, had those doubts, and yet still trusted in the Lord. And that's something, I think, that uh, uh, something else that we can use whenever we take our eyes off of ourselves, off of our circumstances, and put them on, how can I then use what I'm going through to build the kingdom of God? And how can I get busy working instead of sitting here dwelling on Something bad, or what have you, and I think that's that's the other takeaway from this is, is if you find yourself going through something that's terrible, and, and i again, Robert's said it, I've said it, Brian said it, you will go through hardships, but what you choose to do with that hardship, how you choose to handle that hardship, is up to you. And I just encourage you um, to. Uh, To use it for the glory of God. So let me ask
0: you, this is a question I was thinking about. Obviously, I, or not obviously, but I came to Christ at a really young age. So I don't really remember, because I was like maybe 10 or 11 or so. I don't really remember not being a christian Mm -hmm. there's been times where i've kind of like i've told about this in episode one where we're giving our testimonials how like through high school and college i kind of got disenfranchised from my church and i didn't really go to church much anymore but um i've always been a christian not the best one but Someone who comes to Christ later on in life, mm-hmm. and you can kind of remember the before and after, or um, Robert, with you being a pastor, I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of people come to Christ and all that. Have you heard anybody talk about, or even in your personal experiences, like people who see stuff happening in the world before they're Christian? Mm-hmm and then once and then they convert to christianity they yeah. they make that leap of faith mm-hmm. and then how do their views change like do they have some sort of like do, do people talk about like i can now handle things better i can now have a new outlook on this tragedy or this suffering or mm-hmm. this disease or whatever. Do you hear stories about that or, or like what 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 does that usually look like for people who who experience
2: suffering before Christ and then after Christ? Yeah. Um, well, I, I can speak for myself. Um, uh, shortly after coming to Christ, both my parents passed away. Back like within the span of like four months, hmm. uh, my mom poured gas on a fire and it traced back and blew up on her. The flame traced back and blew up because um, she was holding the gas oh canister. Yeah. Um, and and then four months to the day basically my dad had a massive heart attack and died on the way to the hospital. Um, and it was hard. Um, but at the same time I, I am so grateful that I came to Christ before that happened. Because I have no idea how I would have handled that. Like, I had uh, people in my life—a uh, pastor, a great who's still I consider my pastor even to this day, even though he's in a different church. I mean, who walked with me and talked with me and helped me through uh, that that process and and that one-on-one time of trying to help me understand and come to terms with that. So if I had experienced that tragedy before Christ. I don't. I don't know. I I, I shudder to imagine what would have happened. Mm. I, I I just I don't know. I'm ter- I'm I I have no idea of where I would be at that time. You know, like God brought me through that time and through with His the help of the the church and things like that. Um, so um, I didn't really have a lot of tragedy happen before that. <laughs> But uh, so I can't really give like a comparison of like how this happened, how I dealt with it and how this tragedy happened. But I can definitely say that for me, um, having God there was some was like uh, a blessing because I I couldn't have done it on my own.
1: Uh, for me, speaking to my own testimony, like the other two did. Uh, for me, it was uh, I, I came to Christ a relatively young age, and I mean like high school. Um, so it wasn't like uh, Brian when he was ten, but I remember being ten and seeing the world through the eyes of a ten-year-old without Christ. And I still remember um, the constant worry that I was facing, even as a kid, because you know you would hear the adults talking about we might go to war with this country and that country or we might run out of money soon or we don't know what we might do and then I would learn about these (laughs) horrible diseases at school (laughs) and you know this will this will eat your eyeballs and make your skin melt and I mean horrible stuff and you know you would just worry about getting the disease and I remember learning about the draft system in civics class and worried about what if World War III happens in my lifetime I get drafted And so, uh, and I mean, I'm not saying I was paralyzed with fear all the time, but you always have these things, these existential things of, you know, where's my life going to be? What kind of world am I living in? And uh, I do, and deep down, I never really did get full peace about it until I became a Christian. And so now I'm actually a lot more comfortable with the world, a lot more patient with the things that occur around me because... I now have that that filter and context in which to interpret the things that are happening around me, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, God was king over World War II. If if World War III were to happen, or I were to, you know, catch some infectious, horrible disease, I mean, I mean anything that can go down this list, um, you know, then God will still be king over it. Um, mm-hmm. One uh, one thing that always hit me as a kid that really got me thinking about this stuff in the first place was just um uh the deaths of a lot of family members and now zach's testimony he was very very close to his parents for me they were people who weren't as close to me um great grandparents aunts uncles but uh my parents were closest with those older parts of the family and so just for growing up every time we saw our extended family was at a funeral home it was always when someone else had passed away and just to see that constantly happening. Um, The first funeral I went to, I was four years old, and I spent my 16th birthday all night long at a funeral home for a great uncle. And so to see these things um, over and over again, the reality of it cannot help but hit you when you're that young and susceptible to the things that you see. And so my perspective was, was, I'm not gonna say it was eternal, but it was definitely existential ever since the beginning. And uh, that's one reason I love the apologetics side of my faith is just putting your mind at peace by you know, putting the thoughts in your head captive to Christ. But uh, one small pattern I have seen um, looking just at other believers around me, and I'm not going to say that this is a normal thing. I'm not going to say that this is actually a, a common pattern. It's just one little thing I've noticed. In some individuals... Um, I've noticed that for those who become believers sooner in life, sometimes that causes, and my, my two co-hosts might look at me like I have two heads, but I've noticed that... You don't? Yeah, the other one's hidden. But, uh, <laughs> but I've noticed that the sooner you come to Christ in life, the less patience some individuals have had i've seen i've noticed with the cruel the cruel things in this world or the darkness in this world and those who've come to Christ much later in life especially if they did it as adults they have some some individuals i've known have had more patience and appreciation of it and what i have noticed about this cuz i've kind of dug into why and i can't speak for these people they would have to give their own testimonies. And again, these are scattered individuals. Every, every Christian is is just as unique as any person is unique. But the th- one of the things I've noticed as a trend is when you come to Christ a little later, you still remember that before and after. Mm-hmm. You see, well, I was absolutely hopeless. I mean, you think about people who are addicted to drugs because it was their only outlet. Now I have something else, something much better. Now someone who grew up in the church, they got saved when they were four, uh they accepted Jesus before they were even able to say his name right they they accepted Jesus in their heart or something when they were two and they I mean they're convinced that that was it and they've never turned back uh I would call them you know the veggie tales watching sunday school kids um these are the ones so I've not, I've noticed a few individuals when things happen uh they they're the ones who tend at times to have that us versus them mentality. Uh, there they can, they can be, certain people in that group can be the ones you see, you know, get on social media and they'll blast, you know, so-and-so politician or movie star or even a neighbor down the street um, or a disaster when it happens, even outside human control. And, you know, they're either celebrating that the world is being punished for the things that go wrong I mean, we've already brought up 9/11 on here, but you remember the ministers who, have who publicly celebrated 9/11 because you know God was punishing New York City for
2: mm-hmm. all
1: the wickedness and I mean, never mind the wickedness and evil in your own church, but you know New York City in, in particular. <laughs> yeah, your own heart, New York City in particular. It, it there's it's full of cutthroats and and sex perverts and Sodom and Gomorrah, and I mean, that's not the heart of God, but Those are the ones who have a little less patience enduring the hard times because they have this mentality that they've always been in this bubble. And any knowledge of what it's like to be lost is more academic to them. They know that they're lost in sin. They know that they need Christ. But I know that like I know, you know, the composition of a rock on the moon. I've never been to the moon. I've never held a rock uh, my science teacher listed it out to me, and I, whether you care or you don't, you know a couple things in the rock. And these are the Christians, you know, they don't have that memory, or they have a much less memory of having that time beforehand. And so I think it's kind of a Jonah moment for many of them when God says, you know, why would I not have patience on all these lost people? They don't know what they're doing. They don't know their right hand from their left morally. They are literally... Coddlers left without a babysitter and they're roaming everywhere, getting into cabinets and causing all kinds of messes. You know, Jonah, you know the truth. You know, why are you not having more compassion on them? You would yeah. rather see them smitten than forgiven. And so we t- when when we have allowed ourselves to get cloistered into our own little church world too long, we tend to become Jonah. Uh, we tend to see tragedy just in a way to spite the world in our favor rather than just seeing ourselves as someone who's meant to um, give that comfort and that hope first to our own hearts through Christ and then to other people through what we've found. If that makes sense. Yeah. No,
0: um, I I'll tell you straight up. I'm not too proud to admit it. You're absolutely right. Cause me coming to Christ at such a young age and not really knowing what a like a real life without it is. Cause what, nine or 10 year old has a you know <laughs> right, right. Is, is, deal, <laughs> yeah. is dealing with the stresses of finances and war and money and <laughs> right, a right. job and right. and all that so but no i i do find you nail it right on the head like i don't think or at least i hope i've never outwardly like chastised or put down somebody who's not saved um for their behavior but I do agree with you that I've struggled, especially when I was younger, a lot more hot headed like high school and college and all that of really just really intolerant of certain people just Mm -hmm. because it's just like. How can you be so stupid like right. why are you as dumb as you are <laughs> and yeah. just like you need to be not you and just you know <laughs> right, and right, and right. so you 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 yeah. nailed it like that that's absolutely and i've had to I've had to really work on myself uh for several years trying to be like you know look, that's the whole point of mm-hmm. why we're here it, or Christians is like we're not to Jesus even said so himself. He said, I'm not here to condemn man. He's here to condemn sin. Right. And we're not Mm -hmm. supposed to hate or have intolerance towards our fellow man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's you fighting against the sin. Right. And that's one thing. That's a perspective, which I absolutely think you nailed with people who come to the faith early young, is they don't have an appreciation for that. Mm -hmm. That's... I really do think that that, that nails it. Yeah. Yeah. No.
2: Dr. Robert. Doctor. Yeah.
0: Doctor. Well, we're right at about an hour. Awesome. So if either of you want to land the plane or if you have any final closing thoughts, I think we can bring this episode to a close.
2: Uh, I guess since Robert started, I'll, I'll be the one since I forced Robert to start it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll end it. Um, and I guess I would just reemphasize the fact that for um, uh, for believers who struggle with the fears and the doubts, you know, one thing, just reemphasize, getting in, in God's Word. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just those little few verses of Psalms, I mean, you know, those few uh, Psalms themselves I've shared, I mean, are just rich with, um, you know, someone pouring their heart out to God And, um, I think that's a model that we can emulate, you know, pouring your heart out to God, asking him to help you and then taking that and using it for the kingdom, like taking those experiences, whatever it is that you go through as terrible as it is. I mean, how, how, how can you take that and use it for the glory of God? How can you take that, uh, this experience that you went through and actually use it to build up the God's kingdom because there's people out there who are going through that exact same thing that you, went through, that you went through or are going through and they don't have the hope that you do because you have the eternal perspective so you could literally be uh, a light in those people's darkness so I just encourage you to think about that encourage you to consider uh, taking your eyes off yourself and look at others and seeing about uh, how you can be used and then I'd also say you know you know also that there's nothing wrong with those feelings that you have just don't let them turn into bitterness yeah. take those um, that this uh, emotions that you have and just give them to the Lord and I'd recommend you actually write take purchase a journal if you can if you're in the position to do that um, and 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 just write out all that you feel, all that you think, and then just open up the scripture and look and find, uh, where God is, you know, like where God reveals himself and how he talks about who he is and how he's faithful and enduring and, and good and love kind of like what talked about his steadfast love endures forever, you know, take and keep and actually write those things down. And like, and at some point your emotions will, Reverse itself, and because you're remembering who God is and what He's promised, that the hope of your salvation is there, the hope of your eternity is there, and, and and with those things in mind, even if it's something that you might be going through that's ongoing, you might it might Holy Spirit will help you endure those things. So I just encourage you to do that, and then also I encourage you to get food and rest because those, those usually whenever you're going through something those probably the first things to go if you can is, is is usually we get exhausted and then we are even in a worse situation that we are in so i would encourage you to get rest and get food in you and and then get around other believers that's important getting that perspective if 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 you're alone and uh uh don't have anybody around you uh, it's very easy to become woe with me, but if you have other people around you that can help kind of steer the boat, so to speak, to encourage you and, and to uplift you and help you see th- the right perspective, You know that's one of the functions of the church. That's what the church is there for. So I just encourage you to do that.
0: All right. Amen. Good way to end it. Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Robert. Um, really good episode. I hope we helped anybody out there listening going through a tough time trying to deal with the craziness of the world there is hope there is a fantastic book that we recommend you read (laughs) um if you're struggling with what's going on in the world but uh no thank you for listening again if you want to interact with us visit our facebook also leave us a review leave us a comment or a like um wherever you're listening to this we'd appreciate it and uh yeah thank you guys and we'll see you all on the next episode goodbye see you